Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. You'll know me as the editor of the magazine who always has a hungry look in her eye and a rapidly expanding waistline. But this week, the team are back with a preview of London Cocktail Week. We have tips on working with chocolate for your weekend bakes. And Gregor and Janine fight over their favourite childhood recipes. Plus, I make a revelation that shakes the rest of the team. So, make yourself comfortable. Ideally, grab some sort of brew and biscuit and enjoy. First up, we have Charlotte, our web editor, talking all things chocolate and listen out for my dirty little secret. So first up, we have Charlotte here with me. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Um, so in magazine land, it's a very odd time of year at the moment, isn't it? Because we are thinking about Christmas and even beyond that. Yes. And so our desks are sort of very high with all sorts of goodies, mince pies and things, but also lots of Christmassy chocolates. Um, and it's also chocolate week coming up soon, which is one of my favourite weeks of the year. <laughs> and that is the 10th to the 16th of October. But that kind of has got us thinking, hasn't it, Charlotte? About chocolate, yes. It has, um, um, and we're going back to the basics though, aren't we? Yes. So, I think one of the most popular features on our website, olivemagazine.com, mm. is a feature about how to melt chocolate properly because it's not the easiest thing in the world, actually. No. And there are just a few um, important tips that I would recommend if anybody's baking this weekend. Okay. Um, the first is just really simply to break the chocolate up into the same size chunks. Interesting. Because obviously if one's twice the size of another one it's going to take twice as long to melt so try and be rigorous in your chunk size that's I mean that's a very good tip because I am very guilty of doing that thing where you smash the chocolate yeah, bar in its it packet in. shove it all in yeah so yeah I will, mm. I will do that from now on yeah it doesn't take that much longer just to just to cube it no um and the second thing is we we always melt chocolate bain marie style yes which is just a, a bowl over simmering water not uh, touching the water though that's very important isn't it yes because you don't want to get any moisture in your chocolate yes. because as soon as you get water in your chocolate the whole thing seizes okay and it's very difficult to get it back to its glossy silky texture okay so you don't you want the water to be too hot because if you create steam that can condense and that get into the chocolate okay so you could even just put the heat on and then turn the heat off and the chocolate can melt in the residual heat very gently which that's, is what i do okay that's a good idea uh yes so that's something to bear in mind we don't tend to use microwaves to melt chocolate at olive simply because it's very easy to burn chocolate that way because mm. you can't see what's going on yes if you are going to use a microwave just do it in really short bursts mm. like if you're melting butter in a microwave i just do it literally five or ten second bursts and you just have to stand there until it, something starts to happen. So actually it's a bit of a false economy to think that you're saving time in yes. the microwave anyway because you're having to go to the faff of doing yeah. that and keep checking it. And also I find at the weekend I was melting some butter in the microwave as you do but then it caught the smell of the uh. whatever fishy thing was in there before so it's it, it can pick up any aromas that you've had because it's such a good it's a, a tight concealed box yeah. so you don't want that you don't want that no though. fishy chocolate no right. so it is best just to use a bain-marie okay um the reason that the chocolate seizes if you get water in it is because the chocolate will bind with the sugar and the cocoa to form those little lumps which join together to make larger lumps right and it, as i said it's not easy to reverse that 
So keep the heat level low and try and stop any steam escaping around the edges of the bowl because okay. it could drip in. Okay. That's the last thing you want. Apparently so, yeah. Yes. Um, the other thing that's important is you shouldn't overheat it yeah. because it can burn. And also chocolate just melts at body temperature. You know, if you're holding a chocolate bar yes. on the way home, it melts. Yeah. So you don't need to bl- don't need to blitz it. No, I've got a dirty little secret. I'm going to tell you now. Charlotte. Oh God, go on. Okay, so one of my favourite chocolate bars is Galaxy. Yes, it's not um, it's not a highbrow chocolate bar, but it is great. And my favourite <laughs> way to consume that is to sit on it. What? Um, <laughs> because it melts it ever so slightly with my body temperature <laughs> wrapped, obviously. Like a hen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. I like to pre-warm my chocolate and have it slightly melty. Do you have to sit on it? <laughs> Why don't you just sort of hold it? Well, I don't know. It's just something a bit more satisfying about okay. it, kind of getting it to temperature. Anyway, as you were, carry on. <laughs> right. Yes. Moving on. Um, if you do add liquid to chocolate. Yes cream if you're making a ganache yes um make sure you add it quickly okay get it over and done with because it just doesn't like the addition of anything really it wants to sit there and get on with it okay so enough liquid will allow all the dry particles to float around and dissolve rather than sticking together okay so just act with haste Interesting. With, with things like that. Okay. Um, that's that's very interesting to know. Now, what about different types of chocolate? Does that affect Sorry, melting? I can't get over the fact that you sit <laughs> on your chocolate bar. All right, let's move on. <laughs> no, surely everyone does that. Nobody no? does that, Laura. Okay, just I me. Think, well, if anybody else does that, tweet Olive Magazine, because okay. we'd love to hear from you. It's a top tip. I bet everybody's going to start doing it now if they weren't before. Right. If some people go the other way. My brother won't eat chocolate unless it's been in the fridge. My mum's a bit like that. She likes a, you know, a really the cold snap. snap. Yeah. Mm. But that's fine for, you know, your good quality, you know, 70, 80% chocolate. But for right. Galaxy, right. I like my You melting. should get in touch with them and suggest it for us. Yeah, this podcast isn't sponsored by Galaxy, <laughs> although I will welcome any deliveries of Galaxy okay. that want to come to the office, just to clarify. Oh, dear. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes, different chocolates. Talking of different percentages and yes. things. Now, I know from experience, having tried to melt, say, white chocolate, that's especially more sensitive to all of these things we've been talking about yes. as well, isn't it? Yes. And white chocolate is, is far sweeter than mm. any other type of chocolate. So bear in mind, that will make whatever you're baking with it far sweeter. For yeah. example, if you make a blondie, which is a white chocolate brownie, that's probably going to be stickier and sweeter mm. than a chocolate brownie that you'd make with, say, 70% dark chocolate indeed so I'd, I'd probably lessen the amount of sugar that i put in a white chocolate brownie yes. than i would a normal one yeah um but yeah i tend to use 70 percent dark chocolate mm. for cooking because it makes a sort of treacly texture mm. and it's much a, a much more lush color yeah and it's kind of that truer chocolatey flavor as well yes. isn't it you kind of more it's, genuine it's not sugar it's not got that sugary edge that some other chocolates yes have. Yes, yeah, so they can be expensive. It's an expensive ingredient to use. It can. That's why I always look for the buy one, get one free yes. and stock up Indeed. and then just try not to eat them. <laughs> um, but just talking about the blondies as well, before I forget, in case anybody hasn't seen this recipe that's listening now, we have an incredible uh, custard cream biscuit blondie recipe, which yes. is absolutely amazing. And yes. That, and that's, I know we've talked about the other uh, brownie recipe on this podcast a lot which is the bourbon brisket brownies yes. which are incredible too yes. I just had to remind people Get how great there. that is they're both on olivemagazine.com we've also got a recipe collection on the website which is a lengthy title but it's basically the <laughs> 
best ways to turn your favourite biscuits into something else yeah. catchy yeah I mean short and snappy so. but, <laughs> but a great idea because yeah, yeah if you're there's all sorts addicted to biscuits as we are yeah then it's a useful article it's yeah. just making just to make it a bit fun or a bit retro it's things that you can do with jammy dodgers and goodness knows what else so that's also on our website okay as are the tips for melting chocolate in far more detail and there's also a video there so you can learn visually brilliant so you've listened you can read and you can watch we are all about the multi-dimensional media here Olive. yeah fantastic all right well thank you so much charlotte i've learned lots i will uh, be baking with authority now on the weekend thank you so much Um, and for anything else chocolate or other food related stuff head to olivemagazine.com yes amazing thank you big thank you to Charlotte and just to confirm in case you're all wondering I am not sat on any chocolate now I am instead about to talk to Sarah our lovely drinks writer who has got a preview of London Cocktail Week. Now Sarah it is Friday when we recorded this podcast I like a cocktail of a weekend as do I I also like one of a weekday yeah um, and next week as of the 3rd of October yeah we've got a special reason to go out and have cocktails exactly. certainly in London um, why is that yes yeah. so next week 3rd to the 9th of October is the 7th year of London Cocktail Week okay which is kind of the biggest cocktail festival in the UK it attracts so many people it's about 40,000 people visited last time I can see why and it's just a really fun week yeah I, can um, <laughs> I kind of sound like I've had cocktail week already yeah. I apologize everyone I'm a bit sniffly this week I'm sure you've been doing lots of research <laughs> as I I've been working really hard yeah good um but yeah it's amazing so basically the premise is that you sign up on their website for a wristband which costs you a tenner okay and that gives you access to five pound cocktails in about 200 bars across wow. London. So that's significantly cheaper than yeah. normal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you're generally paying at least a tenner for a cocktail. Yeah. At least going yeah. up to maybe 20 quid. Okay. So really, really good value. It gets you going to bars that you wouldn't necessarily go to. That's a good thing. Of a normal Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> which is... <laughs> Can yeah, be a good great. or a bad thing, I should yeah, say. Yeah, it depends, yeah, it depends how, how far you take it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so there's loads of bars taking part. And loads of events other than that as well. They've got second year running. They've got their massive um, London Cocktail Week hub, which is in Spitterfields Market. Okay. And there's about 40 different pop-ups within that space. Wow. They're calling it the Cocktail Week Village. So you actually don't need to leave Spitalfields. You don't even need to leave Spitalfields. Okay. If you're, you know, not familiar with London or you don't want to travel an hour across town to go to a specific bar. So there's lots of pop-ups and trucks and vans and street food cool. and lots of really cool stuff going on. Yeah. And the actual Cocktail Week bar drink up london bar itself um which has got bespoke cocktails from some of their favorite bars brilliant if you don't want to go all the way over to east london yeah some people don't like traveling that far there's also the world-class hub which is in um piccadilly okay which is very central yeah so it's very timely actually because the world-class competition is happening in miami as we speak well that's very exciting it's very exciting um and they've got a menu in the world-class house designed by the uk winner Aidan Berry. Okay. He's from Dandelion. Um, and they're I don't doing... know if you've noticed, <laughs> listeners, but that is Sarah's favourite bar. She's not meant to be biased, but she, she's a big fan of Dandelion, as we all are here at Olive. It's, it's just a really great. cool bar. It's just great. So, yeah, he's designed this kind of menu with Ali Reynolds, who won it a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, and they're kind of doing retro versus future of the cocktail. So Ooh. it's essentially the same menu on paper, yeah. but completely different interpretations of it. Which I is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. As well as that, in the 
world-class house. You've also got the Kettle One Bloody Mary kitchen. Okay. Teaches you how to make the perfect Bloody Mary. Um, if you can't get down to that, we've got loads of stuff online that we've done with Dave Beatty's the brand ambassador about building your kind of like bespoke Bloody Mary. Yeah, because it's it could be very simple, but all yeah, and it's quite yeah, way it's and it's quite a marmite drink. I love them. I do too. But a lot of people can't get their head around the tomato juice or the spice, and yeah. it doesn't have to be that. It can be with apple juice or carrot juice or whatever. Whatever you kind of want. Yeah, I tried a really interesting um, yellow tomato juice mm. cocktail a few years ago. It was a bit lighter and it didn't yeah. use Worcestershire sauce because it was a vegan uh, cocktail. Because obviously that's got anchovies in that yeah. sauce. So it was, yeah, that was really great. Yeah, it was really, really good. Really and black cow vodka as well, which was that really creamy. <sighs> Love black cow vodka. Yeah, creamy mouthfeel. Yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, it just shows a variety of different serves that you exactly. can do. But yeah, lots of information on olivemagazine.com about that if you yeah. can't get to that event. Um, and then also there's, you know, Cocky are doing a grainy masterclass, which takes you through lots of different styles of Negroni. Okay. It's a really simple classic cocktail. It's only yeah. got three ingredients, but there are lots of different variations. And it's so big at the moment, isn't it? Everybody's Huge. obsessed with it's Negronis. Everywhere. And and lots of bars are doing them so well. And there's so many great bottled Negronis, as, as we've done in yeah. Love magazine yeah. uh, a couple of months ago as well. Yeah, so, so that would be a good one to go that's to. That's a really good one. And Roberta Barva, who owns Cocky Vermouth, is coming over to do that personally. Wow. So you get to meet him, have a chat, find out a bit more about vermouth and what makes the perfect Negroni. Um, God, there's so many, so many things. I know. Today. <laughs> My diary's uh, going to be busy next week. I know. One of the things I'm really excited about is Clue are hosting the Clumsies for okay. five days. Okay. So the Clumsies is a bar in Athens and it's number 22 on the current 50 best list. Could change. Could change. <laughs> Listen to the podcast next week so we will have the results as they come out. Amazing. So that's very exciting. Yeah. So yeah, they're coming over to Clue Clay for five nights. You get free entry with your cocktail week wristband. Right. And yeah, it's a great opportunity because you wouldn't necessarily travel to Athens just to go to a bar. No. <laughs> so it's great that they can come over and yeah. you'll get that whole experience without having you know, to pay out the... <laughs> be an expensive fare, night out. Yeah, it happen. would, it would. But yeah. it's quite, I suppose this is the great thing about these sort of weeks is it brings together experts from all around the world and you're getting to see how exactly. different people um, do different expressions of these different cocktails and, exactly. who, you know, which ingredients or, or flavours or styles are being sort of championed in different countries. So it's a really yeah. cool opportunity if you're into your booze. This it's great. I mean, week. London is kind of cocktail capital of the world and that sounds a bit, you know, pretentious, but it is. We, last year, I think it was three out of five of the top, Five fifty best bars were in London. That's so impressive, isn't so, it? So yeah, people are looking from all over the world to us mm. for what's going on. Um, so it's great that it's attracting that kind of international yeah definitely audience as well. Speaking of international audience, okay, <laughs> Patron, um, the tequila are doing a cocktail lab, and they're bringing over seven international bartenders from some of the best bars who are putting on a special menu. So, so cool. you can go and chat to them and find out you know what the trends are in all over the world. Amazing. Yeah. So it's there's so much more. So much more to it than that. And it's not just about drinking, it's about learning and it's about kind yeah. of experiencing different things it as well. Is. There's so. lots of really cool little immersive experiences and masterclasses and all sorts going on throughout the week. So, so you pace yourself by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a big focus on coffee as well. Interesting. This year. Okay. So even if you're, you don't want to drink booze or it's a bit early for booze, yeah. go head over. I think Tia Maria are doing a coffee masterclass with uh, Square Mile. Okay. So that's a good one to go to as well. Great. Yeah. So London Cocktail Week Cocktail is week. the one to go to. Yeah. So if you're planning a trip to London over the winter, this is a good one to do a last minute hotel trip. I think. Yeah. So it's 3rd to the 9th of October. Okay. Um, wristbands are tenor. 
go to londoncocktailweek.com. Uh, all the information is there. All the timetables there. You can buy tickets to extra events. Cool. Yeah. And if you want any extra sort of booze geekery, Sarah's got loads yeah. of stuff on olivemagazine.com. And obviously she has her regular pages in the magazine called The Measure as well. So she'll yeah. be telling you what's hot next month. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. Great. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Sarah. I'm even more looking forward to Olive's Friday drinks policy at four o'clock now. I'm hoping that it's specifically cocktail themed to celebrate such a week. And now, thanks to a decided autumn chill in the air and our Facebook feeds being filled with first day back at school pictures, we have Gregor and Janine talking about their favourite back to school recipes. I'm with Gregor today. I sent Gregor an email earlier on this week saying, let's talk about back-to-school recipes. Yes. And Gregor sent me one back saying, yes, tapioca. Yeah. I was actually thinking more like, you know, back-to-school, quick and easy lunch ideas. But right. then it got me started off thinking, actually, school recipes, that's quite an interesting subject. Yeah, so, school dinners. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so basically, that's the, um, that's the avenue we're going to go down today. Yeah. So tapioca, Gregor, what tell me what is the fascination well the reason that it made me think of school dinners is whenever i i tell people i love tapioca yeah they always go frog spawn school, <laughs> school dinners Ugh. and um and the thing is I, I never got tapioca at school dinners it was they, they never served it there but it's you, but, you were lucky <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but we, i mean usually for the puddings there we got those, those like big squares of uh, like chocolate crispy cakes oh yeah in in uh, or or sometimes we got jam roly-poly yeah. another favorite but tapioca pudding was something my mum always made for me so she probably made it like nicely. nice yeah she, yeah i guess i guess you got you lot must have been traumatized yeah. by it but um but anyway i yeah she made it at home for me and uh and i and i started eating it myself again a few years ago as, as like a comfort food none yeah. of my family i hasten i will join in with this okay so they, they've got the fear yeah they, they had tapioca fear <laughs> and like like yeah my my girlfriend she she doesn't she's not into it she, again the the school objection but and 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 she's put the the boys off just right. like yeah so they won't have it either so but i i make it and i tried it you know reading it off the back of the packet yeah what to do and like searched out recipes and so forth but they all added vanilla which was not what my mum did it was just all it was was sugar milk and tapioca that's okay. it uh, no and butter Oh, the that's it. I you reckon just, the butter probably made it. As yeah, well. yeah. Well, it it does, but you just that's all you do is you just you just melt some. You first of all you put some the tapioca in the milk and the sugar, and you yeah. just cook it, stir it like porridge until it's ready. And that's pretty much it. And then you put some butter in at the end, melt yeah. it in, and that's it. So do you, you don't jam it up then? Nope, don't jam it up. You don't de- need jam on tapioca. That's semolina. Or, <laughs> or, or I made it because I like semolina pudding too, but I've yeah. not had it in years. But with that one, usually she would bake that, yeah. like she'd put an egg in it and bake it as well. But that, that would, it will only give her like a crispy Hang layer on a minute, the top. rewind. Yeah. An egg in semolina. Yeah, yeah, because you could, you could bake it afterwards. Okay. So that that's like an American. Do you mean like an egg just sitting in it, like looking no, at you? No, no, no. Or, you, or you mix, you mix it, it in right, okay. and then you put it in the oven. Okay. And it. And I was you getting can, a bit worried. There. No, Amer- American recipes for yeah. tapioca pudding. They always have eggs in them oh, as so well, they, so they give it. They give it. A crisp, it. Yeah, they set oh. it, and it gets like a. It's more like a a, a pudding pudding. Pudding then. pudding. Yeah. And it's it's like with, but you know how when you do your own rice pudding, you put it in the in the yes. oven, and it gets yeah, a nice yeah, crispy top. So it has more of that effect, and it's set rather than being runny. Okay. You know, I like it runny. It's basically like a bowl of condensed milk. 
really. But the texture, you do get that kind of slightly... Um, yeah, frog spawniness. Yeah, yeah like well, they're gelatinous little bits. But I think, I think that's lovely. I really like it. Do you like bubble tea? Because it's got a similar... I do like bubble tea. Yeah. I find Because that is tapioca that they put in bubble tea. Yeah. They're the bubbles. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. But, um, all right, so back to jam. Yeah. This is, um, so if you had a rice pudding and you and someone gave you jam, are you a mixer or you a leave it and just go Leave it in the middle and get little bits. Yeah, that's me. Same as it would be with a fruit corner yogurt. Because when I was yeah. at school and people used to mix it in and make it pink, that always made no, me feel better. it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. I wouldn't do but, that. Um, Tell us what tapioca is made out of, because you just. I think it's so. It's what sago and tapioca are very are very similar looking yeah. things. One I can't remember which way around it is is made of manioc, okay. and the other is made of cassava, yeah. and they're both made into flour. You know, pounded and made into flour, oh. and then they're made into pearls, and sometimes in Asia they're made into sticks. Oh, and so, and yeah, I mean, you never really get that here, but they're for for things that they use them in 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 East Southeast Asia for. Mm. They're, they're made that way. Yeah. So it's not grain; it's like a it's like a man-made little. That's little right. They're made of, roots yeah. that are pounded. So you're saying it's a bit like couscous because that is like, yeah because um, that's again that's a flour that's made into tight well it's tiny pasta tiny basically. pasta grains yeah. yeah no it's really fascinating because I know I kind of in my head probably you know I had the frog spawn thing and then I had well it must be just some kind of weird little grain thing mm. but it's not no um, my my pudding memories <laughs> I've I've sort of realised that I've, I'm kind of a bit in love with suet <laughs> oh yeah no I love I'm suet in all forms <laughs> yeah yeah me too because I started thinking well what would be my what would be my ideal um you know school pudding and I used to love what we call treacle pudding but yeah. in fact it's not treacle it's golden syrup golden syrup yeah um and my grandma used to make one as well and mine's it mine probably comes from I'd say Delia Smith because mm-hmm. we had the complete cookery collection mm-hmm. which I've got a very well thumbed copy of at home and mm-hmm. I've used loads of times and she's she is very good on suet cooking yeah. of, of all types but um but yeah we used to get um treacle pudding except what they'd do is they wouldn't turn it out like a big classic pudding shape they'd sort of bake it in those big trays yeah so then yeah, you would catering get trees. Yeah, yeah the catering trays so the the kind of syrupy bit would be at the bottom yeah. and then you get a square of it yeah and then you get the the, the, the unavoidably yeah, yeah, lumpy yeah, yeah. custard yeah, on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um but yeah that started me off thinking oh god all those amazing actually i, I guess classic treacle pudding before anyone writes in doesn't have suet in it it's more of a sponge base so it's more mm. of a sponge pudding but then you do get your um your suet based puddings like for example spotted dick which was yeah. big at school yeah and also very funny yeah <laughs> of course of reasons. <laughs> yeah. um jam roly-poly yeah that was one of my favorites yeah yeah which is also called dead man's leg did you used to no, call it that? i didn't know <laughs> who called it dead man's leg uh, we didn't know. call it dead yeah. man's leg but apparently it was um and then you've got your more sophisticated ones that I, that I didn't get at school, but I learned about afterwards, um, including Sussex Pond Pudding. Right. Where you bake a whole lemon mm-hmm. inside a suet. Um, it's like a suet pudding case, mm-hmm. so in a, in a pudding bowl, and then inside you pack it with a whole lemon and brown sugar and um, and butter and then steam it for three hours and it turns into kind of lemony toffee sauce with a broken down lemon in the middle. That sounds beautiful. And it's yeah. a classic old, I mean, it does collapse. Yeah. It, will, it won't hold its shape. As soon yeah. as you turn it out, it sort of collapses yeah. into this lovely kind of mess, but it's, that's mm. a great one. But, um, but yeah, I was thinking about like how suet, um, 
was around a lot in my childhood because my grandma was, you know, she was she always had a packet of a Torah in the kitchen. Yeah. In fact, now I have a packet of a Torah so still in I. the kitchen. So I. Yeah. And I, I will not accept the vegetarian substitute no. because it's just not the same. It's it not the same. It doesn't taste the same. It's really hard now to buy. You used to be able to buy when, when, when we were um, suet from a butcher. Yeah, you did. But now, now it's suet. really hard to find They're that They're making now. it because yeah. they think it's bad for us. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, <laughs> maybe it is in comparison to other things, but I mean, it, you don't get that classic... No, you don't. ...steak and kidney pie no. sort of flavour, and you don't get that classic kind no. of, um, you know, pudding flavour unless you use it. And it, it's interesting in that in a lot of pudding recipes, they would use the beef suet. Yeah. Because you can't taste it. I mean, no, it's no, just, of course not. No. But it does give you a slightly salty edge, which I guess is... Yeah, but it, it just, it, it, it brings, there's a, yeah, a saltiness to it. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and I think that, yeah, that salt, as we know, like salted caramel, yeah. it just gives something extra yeah. puddings and it's, it's something that's yeah. missing, you know. It's like using salted butter. You, you have to use salted butter. Yeah, for you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I yeah. think kind of suet's one. I mean, let, let's not let it die out because no, obviously absolutely it's, not. it's what made British puddings great. <laughs> it's made them great, yeah, this absolutely. This is making me really hungry. Now, now actually, the, the other one, one that I'd never heard of at school because probably because it's an English thing, yeah. is, is gypsy tart. Oh, yeah, gypsy tart. Which is which a, a classic school pudding, yeah. I believe, in England. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I love it. I'd never had it before, yeah. but it's absolutely that's the condensed perfect. milk based condensed one. Condensed milk it? based one, yeah. And it's just condensed milk. I think sugar it pretty much and, is an egg. I think. And, and and it but on a pastry base. Yeah. Oh God, it's, it's so good. sweet though. <laughs> yeah. I know you've got a really sweet tooth. I do but have that a really guilty. Achingly, yeah, yeah, I do. Achingly sweet. Yeah. Well, I mean. We've gone through every single pudding. I'm really hungry. Now. Yeah, me too. Even though today we've actually been doing the um, Christmas supermarket awards judging, and we've ate yeah. our way through canapes, puddings. Yeah, um, in reverse as in well. Reverse we've had a meal well, in yeah. reverse. Yeah. 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 So five minutes ago we were feeling quite nauseous, yeah, and now no, I'm actually wanting a big plate yeah. of um, treacle pudding. Yeah. Well, Thanks. I'm off to eat some more grasmere gingerbread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank Gregor. you very much, Ginny. So, you might not be convinced that tapioca is the way forward, but a massive thank you to Gregor and Janine, and thank you to you for listening to this week's Olive Magazine podcast. Remember, if you've got anything to say, whether that be sharing your love for sitting on chocolate like me, or whether you are going to any of London Cocktail Week's events that you want to share with us, remember you can tweet us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, get in touch. You can also subscribe or download our podcast for free via Acast, iTunes, or your favourite podcast provider. And remember, if you have the time it'd be super awesome if you could review and rate us just to make sure as many lovely people as you get to listen thank you happy listening happy eating and melting of chocolate and drinking of cocktails and we'll see you next week